In this post-peak pandemic period, consumer preferences have clearly shifted. With beauty consumers, it's not just about digital, but engaging customers in a holistic and purpose-driven way. Welcome to WWD Voices, where we share the latest fashion, apparel, and retail industry insights. Welcome to WWD Voices. I'm Arthur Zakowitz, Executive Editor of WWD. And today, as part of the Retail's Responsible Reset series with Accenture, we'll be featuring Audrey Dupretor Monticel, who's Accenture's beauty lead, as our guest host. Audrey will be interviewing Angelica Munson, who's the Chief Digital Officer at Shiseido, to discuss the next generation beauty customer. Welcome all. How are you guys? Doing really well. Thank you for having me on the program. Thank you, Arthur, very well as well on my side. And Angelica, it's a pleasure to have you today and to have this conversation. So Angelica, thank you very much. Um, we, we are super thrilled to have you in this conversation because you have such a deep experience in, in the beauty space. Um, and today, so we have a few questions for you, but obviously the idea is to have this as a conversation for our audience you know, to, to share your experience, what you see on the, on the beauty market, and of course, uh, with your Shiseido experience, how you see this industry evolving. So my first question will be, uh, I would say a simple question, but not so simple to answer and to address, which is around this new generation of beauty consumer. How would you describe them? And what are the expectations of this new generation of, uh, of beauty consumer that, and we have seen such tremendous change in the pastures in the way those consumer behaves. Can you share with us a little bit of your experience around that? Yeah, it's a great question. I, you know, the, it, I've been really reflecting upon this new generation of beauty consumers, which I'll call Gen Z. You know, what's interesting about this cohort is they've grown up as digital natives. And so this is a, a, a group of, of people where not a day in their lives have they been without the internet without smartphones, without online gaming, uh, online payments, um, how they transact, you know, Venmo, et cetera, but also, you know, Bitcoin, um, cryptocurrency, where school is conducted online, you know, where Google Classroom, where is the, this is where you interact with your teachers and submit your homework. Um, and, you know, I was reading the stat that I think nearly half of the Gen Z cohort say they're online almost constantly. So, you know, and I think it's something like a huge percent spend over, you know, 10 hours on their phones. Um, so what's interesting about the group as well, and you know, this is that Gen Z is now the world's largest population. I think something around, I think the estimate uh, 2.5 billion. So about 35% of the population. So when we think about this as, as companies and brands, you know, this is a dominant force in the global economy. And, you know, it's the fastest growing income and it's something set to quadruple, you know, in the next decade. So where this group is really poised to surpass other generations in terms of this, this spending power, this influence. Um, and it's really, you know, challenging the way brands, you know, think about themselves and conduct business and they, the way they need to interact with their with their consumers. Um, I have two teenagers myself. I have a 15 and 17 year old. And, you know, I feel like an anthropologist, you know, observing and watching them as they shop, as they online game, as they go to school, as they socialize. 
And, you know, their need states, I think, although very similar maybe to millennials and even Gen X, you know, but they here they skew a little higher in terms of like their uh, technological sophistication. And also consumption is about having access to products and services, but not always owning them, you know, as we would own vinyl albums, I'm dating myself or CDs, you know, they don't need to own them. You know, it's, 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 it's streamed or even art, you know, now, you know, with NFTs and kind of virtual gaming in the metaverse. Um, so, you know, this unlimited access to goods and services, such as like video streaming, subscription, it creates a different value exchange. Um, and when they buy, you know, Gen Z's expectations are different. They expect access and they expect to evaluate, you know, a whole range of information before they, they choose to interact or, or ultimately, you know, convert or buy something. Um, the other thing I've been contemplating is, you know, their worldviews, you know, what's it shaped by? And this generation has had some life-defining moments already, you know, COVID-19 being one of them, and we're still in the state of pandemic, um, the Me Too movement. You know, social movements are so important, LGBT rights, uh, BLM, um, and Gen Z is much more racially and ethnically diverse than previous generations. And this really does affect, you know, how they're looking at the world and what they're demanding. Um, and not to mention, you know, obviously very important to everyone, especially this group, environmental, you know, climate change, you know, looking for companies that are looking um, at, at carbon-free energy opportunities and ways in which it's they produce goods um no uh, yeah no i was just gonna say um the they're they're more discerning right than than other like demographics right so yeah um what what is their their take on like when you talk you talk about sustainability and social issues how do what do they expect of a brand in that regard i think transparency transparency yeah okay. absolutely transparency and they want to see themselves reflected in that brand and they want to have a say. And so when we talk about, you know, technology enabling, you know, again, back to the point that they grew up with technology and platforms where they can share their opinion, where social media, you know, really the speed of light, it news is disseminated and they know, you know, what's going on and they can share um, that, uh, that, that opinion, you know, so, and, and do they want to be heard too? I mean, like from a brand. Yeah, absolutely. I think they, they want to be heard. And, you know, when I was thinking about, you know, how we respond, whether it's, you know, a CPG company, a beauty company, even a news outlet, you know, there was something like Gen Z watches like 70 plus videos in a day. I think even more now, you know, on TikTok. And so that means that this audience, they have the ability to sort through all this content and they sort through it faster than ever before. And it has implications about, you know, regarding the very nature of the experience of content, the delivery medium, um, you know, and I, and I was thinking Gen Z, they're just equipped to create, to share. Um, everyone can be a storyteller. You know, you can also be, you know, a, 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 you know, to different degrees. I think people want to be those storytellers. And I think every moment, you know, is ephemeral, you know, it's, it's there and then it's gone. And, and I'm sure, you know, if you guys have kids, you know, they're on Snapchat and it's not the way we communicate with each other, you know, and we are, we're going to archive this podcast. Right, right. You know? yeah. I don't know if they and, and they're also, I, also, I, I think just based on my own, my own daughter's experience uh, and observation of her, she's, they're much more inclusive, like naturally, like that's inclusivity is the default setting, I think. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think even, you know, um, 
what you're called, your pronouns. You know, there's a real openness and I think a a dialogue that didn't exist in the past as open as it is now. So I think that there is they, they are a demanding in a very good way group, you know, to, to really challenge the status quo and to open, I think, our eyes, you know, as an older generation uh, of what can be. So it's, it's a, I think it's a really wonderful and exciting time to be a Gen Z, you know, and to, to have the opportunities to, to be as vocal and as sharing. And I think that um, we need to take note of this and, and learn from it. Angelica, one question on my side. So you represent Shiseido today and Shiseido is a group of prestige brand, luxury brands. Do you see, I mean, how those prestige and luxury brands that have such a brand heritage, brand asset, are embracing this, this, this change? Because you said transparency, um, of course, beauty tech, beauty tech is something very important. So how does those brands with all this savoir-faire and heritage embrace this change? And it has been changed so fast. How do they have that? What, how, do you, how does your work change every day? With, with that? How do you embrace the, this change with, uh, while respecting the DNA of the brand, of course? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. I mean, you know, ultimately strategy, our strategy has always been rooted in the belief that, you know, you need to be consumer centric. You know, you need to listen and you need to understand what she wants, what he or she, how they live, how they consume information as we just spoke about. And you have to be in touch with culture. Um, so, you know, through social listening, through implicit and explicit signals, um, through the influencers that we, we you partner with, et cetera, through even basic fundamental utilitarian things like ratings and reviews on your website. So there's so many signals, you know, and that's the opportunity with digital. It's like the fingerprint is always there. And I think you have to be respectful, obviously, of the data, but you need to analyze this and understand where the trends are going. And it's also rooted, you know, back to your, your point about our DNA, you know, we're going to be 150 years old next year. And Shiseido has always been an innovator in terms of bringing the West to the East, the way that we started our first store, Western style pharmacy in the East, the way that we've looked at R&D in, in our product and our makeup. And now it's just evolving in terms of the mediums that we um, sell our products and also, you know, the expansion of our modalities. You know, you, you probably read recently in the news, we launched an ingestible company in China called Inryu. Um, we, you know, have had a very healthy business and collagen, you know, and continue to do that. So beauty really, you know, what does beauty mean for our consumer, especially in this time of, you know, COVID where people are home and they're, you know, DIY, you know, really looking at, you know, what does beauty mean for me at home and self-care? So, you know, that has a lot to do with it. And the way that we look at, again, back to our digital strategy is we look at three key fundamental initiatives that we need to do internally to serve this generation, as well as all generations that interact with us and, and buy our products. One is that we had to really look inwards and architect a unified and connected ecosystem across our geographies, across our brands and our businesses for consistency of our messaging. We had to equip our brands and businesses with those tools and the teams to drive what we call digital commerce. Uh, consumer engagement through CRM and marketing and ways in which they can collect the data and gain those valuable insights 
in a very compliant and secure fashion. And then the third, and I think that one of the more important ones is how do you build digital and data literacy across your workforce? Because as you're serving your customer, your teams, your beauty consultants, your, you know, your, your, the, the folks that are actually developing the products, your marketers, they need to navigate this new digital world, these new social media platforms that, you know, um, evolve, you know, and they need to navigate it with confidence to make those data-driven uh, decisions. So for us, you know, you need to do that internally to then develop those consumer experiences whether you're serving Gen Z or Gen X or, or, or uh, you know, baby boomers. Um, so for us, again, you know, we're focused on how not just in digital, but you think about it from an omnichannel perspective. Um, and we saw in COVID-19, it really drove retailers, our partners, to really look at the seamless type of omnichannel experience. And then the second thing is I said, I would say is conversational, you know, dialogue, and is the key to building relationships. So now that you have social commerce, not just your own brand websites, how do you continue to have a dialogue with your consumers, you know, in an effective manner um, on brand, obviously, but also freedom within the framework for you to, you know, create new types of content like user generated content. Or as you can see, you know, with many brands live streaming, you know, some engagement, engaging ways in which you could have video consultations, et cetera. Um, and, you know, lastly, I would say like how we respond to it. I think a personalized experience, a one-to-one, -one, um, how can you do that at scale? You know, consumers respond better when their experiences are tailored. And when you respectfully use data to personalize those engagements, I think it does really matter. And all that with 150 years of heritage. That's very impressive, I think. Very impressive. Uh, Angelica, one, one side question. I cannot resist because you mentioned this anthropologist lens. When you look at the kids, I, I, I feel the same. What is the phone app you can live without? Tell us a little bit about what, what can I find in your phone that is really your... You know, something you cannot live without. <laughs> uh, I, share, I, share a little bit of your secret with us. Yeah, you know, for me, I have many apps on my phone, but I think the one thing I can't live, and I, it's, it's an app that's built into the phone. I have an iPhone. It's connected to my smartwatch. And, you know, every day I try to close my rings. And, you know, every month I try to increase, like, my rings, my, wa you know, my, my uh, caloric burn, my activity level, uh, my meditation. So to me, the, the, the quantifiable self is really important, especially because I have meetings, you know, at different odd, odd hours. I, I live in New York, but I have uh, Asia hours mainly. So it's important that I maximize the time to really uh, work on myself and kind of my inner health, which I think is an expression of obviously outer, uh, uh, you know, beauty. Um, and so I definitely cannot live without looking at uh, my smartwatch and my health applications. I love that. That's uh, thank you, you know, for sharing that because we always met, I mean, we talk a lot about beauty in terms of external beauty, but inner health is, I believe like you, that is, is absolutely crucial, you know, to, to succeed in this, in this, in this world and in, in this uh, environments for sure. So uh, I, I love what you said about the, um, the COVID and how, you know, we're still in it. It's kind of changed uh, the priorities and our focus on on beauty. Um, is do you see it? Uh, is this like a permanent shift? You know, do we do we look at wellness as as part of uh, our, our routine, including mental wellness, which you just mentioned? Is that something that's 
it's going to stick around for a while, do you think? I think it is. I think that, you know, 2020, I think, compressed like five years of digital adoption in less than like 12 weeks. And it really did launch kind of the greatest consumer behavioral and lifestyle shift, shift of our lifetime. And with that continuous advancement in technology, you know, the rate of digitization is only expected to increase. I think there are many studies across different demographics that people are now used to online shopping. They're used to online grocery shopping. You know, that was the big shift that you saw in terms of convenience. And I think that subscription services, um, especially in the health and wellness space, you know, in terms of ingestibles, vitamins, um, all types of, of even just like health trackers really increased during the pandemic. Will it stick? I think when designed in such a way, you know, with really design thinking in mind, where it, it is affording the consumer the luxury of time, the luxury of convenience, it, it will stick. And I think when there's a value um, to that consumer. So I do think the omni-channel reality is here to stay, you know, in terms of buy online, pick up in store. I was just um, recently at Best Buy actually, um, and, you know, as I was there, I did not have the time to do any type of Christmas shopping, but I know that I can buy online, I can pick up in store and I can pick up at different locations like anywhere. Um, in Fresh Direct, not only do I order my groceries at a specific time, but if I'm pressed for time, you know, I can uh, do express order and it comes in, in two hours. So I think there are even for myself as a digital native, there are activities that I now rely on to make my life even more, um, uh, you know, frictionless. And I think for someone like, you know, our parents, you know, even they are embracing, you know, Zooms, you know, uh, get, get togethers, you know, um, when you can't connect. Um, so yeah, I do think it's here to stay. I think to the degree that it was when the pandemic first hit, Perhaps not, but I think there's a there's a more of a normalization right now on things that were a little bit alien uh, to people before the pandemic. Also, do we have time for a last question for Angelica? Sure. Okay. Sure. Uh, Angelica, I have another question too. Okay. But we'll, okay. But well, you could go first. <laughs> Maybe a more personal question, Angelica. Um, you are living in the U.S. You are working with Asia. You are a mom of two kids. I I understand, and you are this successful woman. For our audience that is listening to us, and maybe the the woman, young woman, or less young women that are listening to us, uh, what would be your advice? If you had one piece of advice, I know it's not easy. There is probably a lot of things that comes to your mind, but if you had one advice for this audience, what would it be? I would immediately say is be bold. When you have an idea, when you have a hypothesis about something, don't be afraid not to share it. Don't be afraid not to have a seat at the table and um, share with others your point of view. I think that is, you know, at, you know, at my age right now, if I were to look back at my 23 year old self, I would say, you know, take time, make sure that, you know, you, obviously it's a well thought out point of view, but don't be shy not to express your opinion. You'll be very surprised about how, um, others will be, you know, react to it. And help you, you know, form and evolve and and give feedback to you. But I think many people are afraid to be that bold and to to share their experience, their their ideas, because they're afraid that they'll be criticized. And I and I would my advice to my 23 year old self or 20 year old self is, 
you know, be bold and, and be confident in yourself. Thank you. I love the, the answer. Thank you, Angelica, for sharing that. I, I, th- I think we'll end it right there. That's a beautiful way of kind of wrapping things up. Um, Angelica, thank you so much. Audrey, thank you so much for, for being our guest host. Uh, and yeah, have a great day. Thank you for listening and tuning in. And thank you to Accenture for um, underwriting the series. Thanks so much. Thank you again, Angelica. And thank you, Arthur. Bye, guys. Thank you. Ready, reset, grow. Accenture helps beauty brands and retailers around the globe embrace change to seize the future. Learn how leading beauty companies partner with Accenture to focus on the new consumer and to become inclusive and sustainable organizations. Visit Accenture.com backslash consumer goods.